how hard is it actually to hit a major league pitch? Well, a couple of years ago when we were talking about the arrival of R.A. Dickey into Toronto, my next guest joined us to explain the physics of the knuckleball. It was a fascinating 20 minutes or thereabouts of a discussion to explain how that worked. Dr. Alan Nathan is a professor emeritus of physics at the University of Illinois. Now, let me just give you a little background because he's not just a baseball guy. His research specialty, and I don't know if you're going to understand this because I know I don't, is experimental nuclear particle physics. The focus of that research has been the use of Compton scattering experiments to elucidate the structure of nuclei and nucleons. You keeping up so far? That's okay, me neither. Uh, His website, though, on the side, he is also a guy who has done a lot of research and a lot of work on the physics of baseball. Shockingly, his website is called The Physics of Baseball. You can find it at baseball.physics.illinois.edu. Dr. Nathan joins me now. Doctor, thanks for doing this again tonight. Okay, I got you. Thanks for doing this again tonight, Doctor, now that I can hear you. Um, but, can, can you hear me all right? I, I can hear you now. Sorry, I, I couldn't get you before, but I've got you now. Yeah, all I said was that it was good to be here. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, let's, let's start going through this, and, and I'm going to leave it to you to, uh, to do the heavy lifting here, because as I say, I certainly, um, I certainly can't. But let's try and break down, if we can, the time frame and the, the bits and pieces of a pitch and the time that things can happen within a pitch that a player, that a batter has to do certain things. Um, to, to actually get his bat on the ball and hit it squarely. And so th- the baseline of this, as I understand it, and then I'll, I'll throw to you to take over, the, the pitcher's mound is 60 feet 6 inches away from home plate, probably 55 once you take into account the pitcher's stride and where he's releasing the ball. And by other people's math, not mine, uh, if he throws a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, that gives you about four-tenths of a second or 400 milliseconds from the ball leaving the pitcher's hand until it hits home plate, correct? Yep, you got that right. All right, so what what is, explain to me if you can in some sort of comparative form, what is four-tenths of a second? What can you do in four-tenths of a second beside, beyond baseball? Well, you know, uh, pe- people say that, uh, who have studied this, say it takes uh, approximately that much to blink your eye. Okay. So, you know, literally that pitch is coming at you in a blink of an eye, or more, more or less. So it's, it's not a lot of time, and there's a lot going on. Uh, the batter has to look at the pitch, uh, observe the trajectory, decide if that pitch is something that he wants to hit. Then he has to send a signal from his brain to his muscles to start swinging that bat. And all of this takes time. And, in fact, swinging the bat, uh, just, just the swing of the bat itself takes, you know, something like 150 milliseconds. So already 150 milliseconds of that 400 is used just to swing the bat. So you start subtracting things off, and you realize the batter doesn't have a whole lot of time to actually observe the pitch. So out of the 400 milliseconds, he maybe has, half that time to be able to observe the trajectory and come to some decision as to whether that's a pitch that is in the, in the location that he likes and, and therefore that he should swing at. <laughs> and if for normal people you know, like you and me, it's an impossible task. There's simply not enough time to be, to be able to react. When we Okay, let's work backwards because we're, when the ball is leaving the pitcher's hand now, 
do we know, has science ever been able to dictate how, whether a, a person can pick up visually, pick up the ball out of the pitcher's hand immediately, or does it take a certain period of that 400 milliseconds just to see the ball and to compute in your brain that that is a ball and that's where it is? Yeah, that, that process in and of itself takes something like 100 milliseconds. That's a quarter of the total time that you have okay. uh, it, to actually process that image and uh, sort of run it through your, start to run it through your data bank of, of other pitches that you've seen uh, in your lifetime. You, you certainly don't have enough time to be able to, uh, in some sense, do a calculation, a mental calculation of where that ball is going to go. I believe that it's primarily pattern recognition. You, you've hit many, many balls in your lifetime that look similar. So you, you're sort of matching up the pattern that you see uh, that takes some time for you to process. You're matching that pattern up with other patterns that you've seen in the past. The, the process of pattern matching can actually be done fairly quickly in the brain uh, as opposed to literally doing mental calculations, which takes a lot of time. Uh, uh, but, but as I said, when you put the numbers in, uh, you really, you, probably you end up with, uh, if it takes 100 milliseconds just to process the image, it takes 150 milliseconds to, to swing, it might take another 25 milliseconds after you decide you're going to swing for the brain to send the signal to the to your the rest of your body to initiate that swing. It, it just isn't much time left over for you to actually observe what's going on with the pitch. That's right. So that if by your numbers and and, and those are numbers that I've read elsewhere as well, but the, by those numbers, the 400 milliseconds in total minus the 100 to compute that the where the ball is for your brain to lock in on it minus 25 to actually fire your neurons or your synapses or whatever it is to get your body moving to swing minus the 150 to actually swing, that leaves you with 125 milliseconds to actually decide, and I use that word in quotations because I don't know that anyone could decide anything in that amount of time, but to, to go after that pitch. It, it, you hit on it, I think. For the average person who has not done this, it literally would be a physical impossibility. Yeah, it, it's, it's very, very difficult. There was, there was an experiment that was done recently. So all of the numbers that we've talked about actually have people have written down these numbers now for some, some years. There's a famous book, uh, The Physics of Baseball, by Robert Adair, and he has numbers like we've been talking about in his book. But that was all based on what you might call theoretical uh, understanding of how the brain works and how the eyes work and things like that. There was actually an experiment done by a group of Japanese researchers that was just published recently, uh, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, in which they did a remarkable experiment. What they did was they had batters fitted with special glasses that uh, had LCD, liquid crystal display glasses, where you could literally have an electronic shutter that could open and close electronically. So what they did was they were firing baseballs from a pitching machine and having the batters hit the balls. What they would do is they, they ran it under several different conditions. In one condition, the batter saw the entire pitch. In another, the batter 
the shutter was closed, so the last 150 milliseconds of the pitch was occluded from the batter. And what they found was there was no difference in the batter's ability to barrel up on the ball with that last 150 milliseconds uh, uh, excluded from what he could see. Because you're already locked in at that point. You're already locked in at that point. And so the point is that the batter at that point, 150 milliseconds from when the ball is about five-eighths of the way or two-thirds of the way or roughly speaking, from home plate, the batter could just as well close his eyes. It really won't make any difference as to how well he barrels up on the on the ball. So that provide. I mean, it's the 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 experiment is still in its early stages. And there's more work to be done, but this provides in very interesting confer, confirmation of what wrote about uh, some years ago. But it becomes even more difficult than even what we've talked about because we've simply reduced swinging at a pitch to a time frame and we've and that's a two-dimensional thing we've not taken into account the fact that you still have to time it that you have to get the barrel of your bat to meet the ball at a certain place in space and that it has to arrive on the proper plane otherwise you pop up or ground out or right. foul it off um and and I know you've written about this, and I know you've given lectures on this about the sweet spot of the bat. And you have to then not only arrive at that space in pl- that place, and with the with the bat on the right plane, but hit it in the right part of the bat. There are so many factors involved in this that look so simple when they do it. Yeah, the the numbers the numbers when you really look at them really become very very shocking uh, when you realize about the timing issue. So if the batter, so the number is this: if the batter is out in front uh, of the pitch, uh, if he's too far out in front, he's going to hit it foul. He's going to pull it foul. If he's too far behind, he's going to hit it to the opposite field foul. The amount of the margin of error that you have is plus or minus seven one thousandths of a second. Seven milliseconds. That's incredible. That, that is such a small amount of time. And it, in, in a sense, it's even worse than that, because it, it, if the batter is, has a swing plane that coincides with the, with, the, with the downward plane that the ball is arriving, then there, there's, there's, uh, uh, the, the batter can still barrel up on the, on the ball quite well, even if his timing is off a little bit. But if the batter is swinging, say, at a very steep upward angle, which a lot of home run hitters try to do in order to get lost on the ball to, 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 to carry it a long way, then the margin of error is, is even smaller than that seven milliseconds. <laughs> it could be something more like three or four milliseconds. I mean, the timing is it, it has to be done exquisitely. I mean, it, so you know, when you put all that together, you realize that mere mortals simply can't do it. And, and yeah, uh, and the one other league baseball players are very, very special. And the one other thing, and again, I keep throwing different things into the mix, but the one other thing is major league pitchers will mix up their speeds. So what you see coming at you will be a different speed from perhaps what your brain will believe that it is. Right. So different speeds, different trajectories. So one of the goals of a pitcher, and I, I know that uh, Greg Medex used to say that one of his goals was to try to make every pitch look like every other pitch for as long in the trajectory as possible. So if you can make your fastball and your changeup look virtually identical, 
uh, all the way up to 150 milliseconds from home plate, the batter simply can't distinguish the two. And any information he gains after that is useless information. So uh, Mariano Rivera, for example, his cut fastball was such that it, 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 barely, it, it was barely distinguishable you know, from a perfectly straight pitch up and uh, really up until the point of no return for the batter. I mean, so the batter really, it, there wasn't much movement on it. There was only maybe three or four inches, five inches, maybe at most movement. But if you're a left-handed hitter, hitter hitting against it and you think that ball's going over uh, the inside corner of home plate and all of a sudden you realize it's, it's three or four inches off from the plate, you're going to break your bat. And he broke a lot of bats. <laughs> Is it... Does it ever surprise you, though, because we see fans that will then, you know, a, a, a guy swings at a pitch that bounces into the dirt, and it looks like such a bad pitch to swing at. I mean, we're, we're at home watching on TV, and the thing has bounced in front of the plate, and a guy has swung and missed, or swung at a pitch that's five inches off the plate or, or six inches above the strike zone. We shouldn't be surprised by this because, again, it, they have had to commit so long before the pitch has actually arrived that what they see and where the ball ends up may be two completely different things. Yes, that's absolutely They're not right. swinging at a bad pitch. They're swinging at a good pitch they're, that goes they're, bad. They're, yeah, they're swinging at what they think is a good pitch at the time they start that swing, and, uh, and they're, they're fooled, and it happens... Uh, it happens a lot. You see it. You see it a lot. You see a pitcher, a, a, a pitch being that's in the dirt being swung at. You see a pitch that's way off the outside part of the plate being swung at, uh, and you know that's that's the nature of the game. It's uh, hitting is hard. When you hear about a player who's locked in, because we hear about guys who get hot and they say they're locked in and they're seeing it really well, is that just part of their brain? You talked about pattern matching. Is yeah, that just that I, part I of their think- brain? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I, I, look, I don't pretend to be an expert on these things. But, you know, I remember back, uh, I remember, we talked about Robert Adair. Uh, I remember talking with him uh, way back a dozen or so years ago when Barry Bonds was, was knocking him out of the ballpark uh, on a pretty regular basis. And, and Adair told me, and, and it really makes a lot of sense to me, that Bonds' ability to hit is, is largely uh, above the shoulders, okay, meaning it's his ability to process information quickly. Of course, he was big and he was strong and he could swing the bat really fast. But, you know, swinging the bat really fast, that doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to hit it squarely every time. But Bonds seemed to be able to do it consistently. And I think it's largely, a, 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 largely the workings of the brain. And, uh, sure. and some people are just wired differently than the rest of us, and uh, I think he is one of them. But if you say, when you say, Doctor, when you say that someone can swing the bat really fast, and we hear that, we hear that, you know, if you bulk up on steroids or you do whatever else, that you can get the bat through the strike zone quicker, you can wait longer on the pitch. What would that reduce? You're saying that the average guy, it's about 150 milliseconds to swing. What does that reduce? It take off an extra 10 or 20 or 25 milliseconds? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't thought about that for a while, but yeah, probably but it wouldn't be, like, you're not cutting the time like in half or something. It's, it's, it's a marginal improvement. Well, that it's, got, it's, it's very, it's, it's very marginal, but it could, I mean, it could make a difference. I mean, remember you're really dealing with things at the margins anyway. Mm, I mean, yeah. so the, you're, you're not dealing with that full 400 milliseconds. You're dealing with something really smaller than that. And any edge that you have, uh, of course is going to make a difference. So it could it could well be that that his ability to wait a little bit longer on a pitch 
because he bulked up on steroids, you know, and, and could get the bat around fast, and maybe that made a difference. Uh, but I, but I, I actually tend to think that 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 was not the major uh, thing with Bonds. I really think that it really his came down to his ability to process information quickly. Just before I let you go, um, one last thing. There are some guys, one guy in particular who is very intriguing, a uh, pitcher who's actually suspended right now, but a Roldis Chapman for the Yankees, a reliever for the Yankees, who right. that I know of has thrown the fastest pitch ever on record in the major leagues. He touched 105 miles an hour at right. one point. Is there a point at which a pitcher can, could potentially throw the ball that it really would become unhittable unless a batter began his swing even before he picked up the pitch? Uh, well, probably. I don't know what that number is. I don't think we're there yet. Okay. I, I think. I think that. I think that again. Uh, just given the frequency with which major league hitters are, are able to hit very fast pitches very well, I, I think we're not there yet. I think we're, we're probably not even close to being there. But uh, for, for major league hitters, of course, for ordinary people, you know, we could. I could. You know, I couldn't hit a sixty mile an hour. You know. Uh, Pitch so, uh, but I don't, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, what I do think is that uh, the the 105 miles an hour or so. I think we're actually a lot of people think. I mean, I, I don't have any basis other than what people have told me. Uh, people who understand the physiology of the body that that's getting pretty close to the human limit of mm. being able to throw something fast. You know, without without rupturing the tendons or so and you know, that you're stretching. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and the amazing part about it is that it really hasn't changed for the last hundred years, give yeah, or take. Yeah. It's yeah. That, that we've sort of hit that level, and, and it's, it's certainly, if nothing else, Doctor, it's allowed us to be able to talk about these things in a constant, because baseball has really not changed all that much over the years. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, I agree. And it's, and it's definitely fun talking about these things, no question. Dr. Alan Nathan from the uh, Professor Emeritus of Physics from the University of Illinois. Always appreciate having you on. Love talking about this with you. Thanks for the time tonight. Sure enough. Take care. Bye-bye.